Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is August the 2nd, and our chapter for today is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, The Plot to Kill Jesus. The scripture says, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, everything that he said in Matthew 24 and 25 on the Mount of Olives, the scripture says, They said unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the others, all of the others, the leaders of the people, assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas. And they plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. And they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people." These people knew exactly what they were doing. They were the Jewish leaders that had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. They had seen what he had done, and they were so steeped in their religion and their Talmudic teachings that they refused to listen to the prophets of God, and they brought condemnation upon themselves. Now, the scripture records that there was the anointing in Bethany. Now, Matthew does not deal with it to the same degree as John does. John deals with this in chapter 12. Remember, it was chapter 11 where Lazarus was raised from the dead, his friend, the friend of Jesus, and uh, Mary and Martha, who were so close to him. And so he was at their house, and the Bible says that Mary broke an alabaster filled with alabaster oil, resin, that would have been worth a small fortune probably a year's worth of money from working. And Judas got upset. And the scripture says that Judas said, why wasn't this money given to the poor? But John has a divine commentary. Under inspiration, he wrote that Judas was not concerned about money, but indeed he was the treasurer, the most trusted of the disciples to take care of the money. He was the only one of the disciples that was not from the Galilee. Of the twelve, eleven were from the Galilee. Five were from Bethsaida. You remember the sons of Zebedee, James and John, Andrew and Peter, and of course Philip. Five, we call them the Bethsaida boys. And many believe that Peter was from Capernaum because he was there and he was in the house near the synagogue somewhere, and his mother-in-law was sick, and she lived with them. And so some would, by that passage, believe that Peter was from Capernaum, but he was not. The scripture says clearly he was from Bethsaida. And he had no doubt married a girl from the area of Capernaum, and they lived there. Probably it was a man who had daughters, no sons. 
and Peter probably married the oldest. And because of that, he was obligated to move and to take care of the family because he would have been basically adopted as the older son. And so that is why I believe that he was in Capernaum. But these are very important Jewish customs and rituals that have to do with the pecking order of a family. And so I believe that's why he was in Capernaum. But uh, all of the disciples were from the Galilee, save Judas, and he was the man from Cariot. Cariot, that was in Judea. That was not in the Galilee and was uh, not far from Jerusalem, as a matter of fact. And so uh, Judas was the keeper of the treasury. And he was a jealous, uh, narcissistic, selfish man that no doubt had already robbed the treasury. And he saw that he was embarrassed, that Jesus was not going to do things his way. And then it says in verse 14, then one of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him unto you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time forward, he sought an opportunity to betray him. He more than likely knew the routines of Jesus around Passover. And here he was in this time when he looked like he was going to have all of his wishes come true from the standpoint of Jesus is going to get what's coming to him. And so Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. Now, it's interesting. If you have been to one of the seders that I do, I lay out according to Jewish customs and rituals where they would have been seated. And uh, John would have been seated just to the right of Jesus where he could have laid back. They were all reclining because that was the symbol of free men. And that's why he laid his head on the bosom of Jesus and asked who it was that betrayed him. Now, Judas would have been on the other side because they would have been sharing the bowl together. And Jesus said, the one that I dipped the sop with, and that means they had been eating out of the same bowl as far as the dipping that they would have been dipping the bread into, the pita into that night as they ate the Passover meal, not pita as you would think of bread, but as unleavened bread called matzahs. They would have been dipping their food into the same bowl, eating out of the same bowl, basically. This is what Jesus did. Now, the reason that John got the question answered as to who it was that betrayed him, and he clearly said after that it was Judas, is because John was assigned to ask the questions that night. Why? Because John was the youngest, and the youngest always asked the questions. This is uh, many times puzzling to Americans and Westerners because we think the oldest should be, but there's only one in the family that's oldest, but everyone is the youngest at some point. And the Jewish families knew that they need to pass this on from generation to generation. And the best way to do that is by allowing them to participate. Remember, the Passover meal was for the entire family, not just for the adults, because the purpose of the meal and it being ritualized every year and routinely asking the same questions, doing the same thing, the repetitive nature of it. Remember, I've told you over and over again, the repetition is the mother of learning. And year after year, this is how these great rituals were passed on to the next generation. 
And so Jesus instituted what we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, the last supper. But uh, it was not that at all. It was actually a Passover meal that Jesus was eating with his disciples. It was during this time, beginning in verse 31, that Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. When you read the gospel of John uh, with this same incident, you will see that Peter vehemently protested and said, basically, all these others might, but I will never forsake you. And of course, he, Jesus told him, you will deny me three times before morning, and he did. Now, let me remind you that when Jesus was in the Galilee after his resurrection, that he asked Peter three times, do you love me more than these? He was getting Peter to come to the end of himself to realize he was not the main guy. He was not the one that was the only faithful one. He was not uh, like Elijah, who had to realize there were 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal, and that he was susceptible, just like any other man, just like Peter, to being unfaithful to God, to questioning God, to denying the Lord. And it's a reminder to all of us that at any time when we think we are standing, the Bible says we need to be careful when we think we stand because that's when we're getting ready for a fall. Why is that? Because pride and arrogance goes before a fall. A haughty spirit always is the precursor to someone going downhill. And so Matthew also records Jesus going to the garden. The disciples had been eating a Passover meal. They were full to the brim and uh, sleep was overtaking them, and they fell asleep over and over again. Three times Jesus came, found them asleep each time that he came back, but he went and talked with the Father and said, Father, if there's any way that I can avoid this, taking on the shame and the sin, it wasn't that Jesus was wincing from taking the punishment. He knew what it was, but he also knew what it was going to take. And the book of Hebrews says that he, knowing the shame and suffering that was coming, that for the joy that was set before him, that is, he knew that there would be a resurrection, that the cross and death itself is not the end, but it is the echodas. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration that we just talked about in Matthew chapter 17, I shared with you that Moses and Elijah came and appeared to Jesus and talked with him about his decease, his death, echodas, his way out. And that's indeed what death is. It is the way out. It's the way up. It's the way beyond for the child of God. And so the Bible records that Jesus went through this garden experience. Then he went to the house of Caiaphas after being arrested there. His dear friend Peter fulfilled the prophecy that he would deny him three times. And the Bible says when Jesus looked at him, that's according to the Gospel of Luke, that Peter went out and wept bitterly. And when Jesus faced the Sanhedrin, he stood strong and answered them, even though they mocked and ridiculed him, and sentenced them to death to be sent to Pontius Pilate. What a tremendous chapter this is. And it lays out clearly what Jesus was willing to go through. He became obedient when he came to this earth, and he became obedient even unto death, even the death of a shameful cross because this was a brutal death. It was a death of suffocation. It was a death of torture. And Jesus went through all of that 
Why? So that he could pay the debt, the sin debt, not that he owed, but the sin debt that you and I owe. He paid a debt that he did not owe, and he paid a debt for us that we must be forever grateful for. And so as you read Matthew 26, let it soak in, read it again, and then with every breath that you take, thank God with your lips and with your life for the wonderful victory that Jesus had when he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again to pay for our sins. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.